Praise God. If you've not been with us uh, before, that's uh, something we've seen over and over again um, as we've been studying this book of Joshua. And uh, it's been really interesting to walk through the book of Joshua. We don't believe that the Bible is like a dusty old book for those people back then. We do believe it records historical accounts, but fundamentally the Bible is a, a letter written to us, the people of God. There's two truths I've realized. The more I follow Jesus, two things I've realized is that God never changes and his people never change. For good and for bad, this is what we see in the Bible, right? And so when we read stories of Joshua, it's not stories about some dude back then with this one thing, an archaeologist, so that's part of the story. Yet the whole story is what's happening in our own lives as we follow God. Today we're going to wrap up our, our first part of our series. Now some of you are going, wait a minute, we're not through the book of Joshua yet. You're right, we've run out of time. <laughs> so we're going to um, spend the next three weeks on Easter. Then we're going to do something else after Easter, and then we're going to come back to Joshua and uh, finish up the book. It's, it's awesome, awesome study. So if you've read ahead, don't feel like you've wasted your time because you haven't. Today we're going to talk about a continuation of last week here. I don't know if you were here last week whenever Lance Carpenter brought the word and shared about the, uh, the taking of I, right? Um, and it was a real blessing to hear, and I got a chance to listen because of uh, some folks who are faithfully recording our messages here, listen to what Lance had shared. And this week we're going to hear the story about Joshua and his people going again against I. Interestingly enough, going again against I. Now, if you know, last week it didn't go so well for them. When they, when they went to attack the enemies, when, when they thought so surely they had this figured out, they were roundly defeated right? Some of you, by the way, I wasn't here last weekend. That's why I appreciate people who are doing things to make sure we can stay connected when we miss a week here and there. I got the pleasure of going out to Colorado. This was insane. We did, I did a four-day trip to Colorado, two of which was snowboarding in the mountains, right? So this time last week, I was on the mountain, right? But I wanted to share that. And by the way, if, you've been, if you prayed for me, praise God, it was just blessing on blessing to be out there with my brother-in-law, Rich, who just graduated from seminary and got his first job, and we, we were able to spend time. We got 11 inches of snow. Who snowboards or skis in here? Anybody ski or snowboard? Yeah, come on, raise your hand up for a minute. I want to see how many people we got that are really like breaking a leg out. There's very few. That's shocking to me, right? So the rest of you have to take my word for it. But if you want good conditions, fresh snow. You know what I mean? We got 11 inches in the 24 hours we were in the mountain. We were there for two days only. And we got, we got fresh snow, and it was snowing so hard, and it was blowing just enough that by the time you got down, you would ride a, ride, ride a run, and you get back up to the top, and your tracks were gone. It was, in, it was like a dream, man. It was beautiful. And if we said praise God once, we said praise God a hundred times because you got two people who are called to ministry on the mountain in the glory of God. And I'm sure people around us were like, come on, guys. We were just like, praise God, praise God. You know, it was so annoying. It was so annoying. <laughs> beautiful. I tell you, not just tell you like, oh, you're like, oh, why didn't I get to go? No, that's how I told you. So day one, I'm going, when's lunch? Because there's a couple things that happen at, at, at Real Mountains. <laughs> uh, the air is thin there. It's hard. And uh, you get tired quick. And I was sitting in the little lodge thing, kind of just warming up and just breathing. <laughs> just breathing. <sighs> and I told my brother-in-law, Rich, I said, I don't know why I'm so tired. And, you know, and the voice is going, you're out of shape. You haven't trained. <laughs> you're not good at this. <laughs> you know, you're not an X-game champion. <laughs> Uh, and, but then I sat 
And I looked out that window at this mountain. And as I looked at it, I told him in full conviction and exasperation, oh yeah, we've gone up and down that thing eight times today already. And we were spent by lunch. We were just going again and going again and going again, you know. And I was feeling defeated. I was feeling just shot. And I couldn't figure out in my mind why that was the case. I don't know if you're like that in your own life. Like if there's these mountains of your life, and you keep climbing the mountain, and you slide back. And you keep climbing the mountain, and you slide back. And you keep climbing the mountain, and you slide back. And you go, oh, I'm so tired. I don't know why I'm tired. And then you look up at this mountain you've been trying to take repeatedly, and you just always fail to take it. And you end up back at the bottom again, standing there, dragging yourself to that line, hoping this time you're going to make it. That's how it kind of felt. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why I'm tired. Because I've been trying to take this mountain over and over again. Well, that's kind of the way it is today with Joshua and his people. I'm going to jump right into the Word of God. If you brought your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to Joshua 8. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can grab one of ours, and we'll have a page number in a minute. But I'm going to ask you to do what we always do at Family Bible Church when we enter into the Word of God. This is in private study, in small groups, or in the large group gatherings. We pray. This is a divinely inspired Word of God. This is not a book. It's not just another piece of literature. And if you want to understand it, and you can, you ask God to help you understand it. Ask Him to inspire you to understand what His Word is saying, and He will answer that prayer. Please join me in prayer if you would. Father, today as we open your Word, I pray that your Spirit would would richly teach us. We don't want human wisdom, Father. Matter of fact, we cast human wisdom away. We don't want anything of ourselves. We don't want to think of a good strategy or a good way. We want to hear your way, Father. The Bible is replete with people who've tried their own way and failed and failed and failed. Today, Father, may your spirit teach us what you would have us to do. We're here as much as we're able to lay down our burdens, to listen to you, and to be open to your direction. And yet we know we require a divine intervention to understand. Father God, today, teach us from your word. Show us not just how we can learn it, but how we can live it every day. And then may you always get the glory, because you alone are worthy of glory. May you always get the praise, because you alone are worthy of praise. May we always return to you with questions, with praise, with proclamation, with hope in our hearts. We give you thanks and praise because you are so good to us. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go ahead. If you're using one of our Bibles, it's on page 153. So you can check it out there. And uh, we're just going to jump right into this this morning. If you've been reading along, I said last week, chapter 7 was the first attempt at, at I, right? And, and they failed. They were routed by I. Just today, we're talking about it a little bit, but today we're going to jump into chapter 8. Here's what the Lord says in verse one. Then the Lord said to Joshua, by the way, Lord is L-O-R-D, all caps. That means Yahweh, the creator God, the God who made everything, spoke to his people. And he says to Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack I. For I have delivered into your hands the king of I, his people, his city, and his Land. You know this whole story about Joshua was taking the promised land, the things that God said belonged to God's people. And this story of Joshua is living into that promise. 
Verse 2, you will do to I and his king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. I'm going to stop right there for a second. So we see a few things right away. Now, if you remember last week, you remember that Joshua sent his army up to Ai to take it. And they were beaten and beaten badly. They were run back, run back to the rock quarry, it says. They chased them all the way back to the quarries, which is well outside of the city. And they were roundly defeated. Lance did a great job of talking about why they failed, what their failures were. But today, and I want you to see this, on the heels of this failure, at a time when Israel could say, let's just go around I. We'll have another victory and then come back later. God comes and says clearly to Joshua, now, go take I. Now, go take I. I want to point out a few things that are different when Joshua approaches I this time as we did it last time. And the first is this, and I want you to hear this. Joshua is talking to God. Joshua is talking to God. Joshua is listening to God, right? If you go back and you look in chapter 7 of Joshua, you know what it says he did after he took Jericho? Remember Jericho, the people walked around six times, seven times, they shouted, the walls came down, they burnt the city. It was glorious for God. On the heels of that, Joshua goes to Ai, and I think this is in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 7. You can look at it later if you want. But he says that he goes down, he sees Ai, he goes ahead and picks up, he sends some spies, same thing as Jericho. They come back, they say, these guys, we got it. And he sends 3,000, well, they didn't say that. The, the spies say you can send two or 3,000. And you know what the Bible says? He sent about 3,000. They don't know how many guys they sent up to I. You know the Bible says 36 were killed, but they don't know how many they sent. Joshua seems awfully casual in his leadership, doesn't he? He hasn't talked to God. He hasn't listened to God. And he's like, all right, guys, now if you think this is an Old Testament sin, check it out. Peter, after Jesus is crucified, right? And Judas is the betrayer and kills himself. Peter goes and says, all right, guys, same thing we've been doing. Let's appoint another disciple. It has to be 12. But Peter, it's the way it's always been. But today, God's teaching Joshua and us that you fight the same battle with a new plan. The same battle was a new plan. So this time, Joshua listens to the Lord. Now, granted, it took him coming to the Lord to see his failure. And I'm not going to relive the whole thing with Achan and his sin, but that's just, you know, it is what it is. But the first thing is that Joshua is listening to God. In your life, if you, and I want this to be very practical for you in your life, if you're hitting that same wall, if you're one of those same problems, if you fall into that same sin in your life, if it's the stuck and the stuff, if it's in your marriage and you go home and it's always kick the dog, scream at the wife, spank the kids, you know, whatever your ritual is, you know, that used to be my ritual. I have one question. Have you even talked God about this mountain you're facing? Are you even listening to your Father in heaven as you repeatedly try the same things that aren't working? The truth is that many times we, we, we try to do the same stuff and we don't listen to God on the way. The second thing that we realize is that Joshua obeys the Lord. Joshua obeys the Lord, right? If you read in verses 3 through 8, let's just read it real quick. 
This is what it says. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men, and he sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully to me. You were to set an ambush behind the city. That came right from God. That wasn't Joshua's great idea. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on high alert, for I and all those who are with me will advance on the city, and when the men come out against us, as they have done before, listen to it, we will run away from them. Then they will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city, for which they will say they are running away just like the last time. I want you to hear this. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from the ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hands. When you have taken the city, set it on fire, do what the Lord has commanded. See to it, you now have my orders. So here's Joshua, not only obeying, but verbatim saying, this is God's plan for how we're going to take the city. Now, I want to walk you through some practical warrior manhood assumptions. If you just went up to a, a mountain, if you just tried to take a city and you were defeated roundly, the machismo thing to do would be to get more guys and go get revenge, right? I and mean, that would be the mentality of most of us. We're going we're, we're to walk up to the front door. We're going to pound on it. We're going to say, come and fight. We're ready this time. We're going to beat you this time. Joshua is not that foolish, thank God. He actually follows God's plan to a T. Another thing that I want you to see is that instead of sending about 3,000 men, What's it say? He took 30,000 fighting men. He took 30,000 fighting men back to the battle. You know what that means? It actually says he selected 30,000 of his best fighters, right? His very best is who he had fighting for him. He sent 5,000 for the ambush. The rest seemed to stay with him. There's this thing going on with the north, south, east, and west. He, see, you can remember that ice, north south, west, east, from your perspective, right? And so he, he comes this way and he tells these 5,000, go over here and hang out. And we're going to owe up here and act like we're fighting and we're going to run away. I bet the warriors were excited about that plan. Oh, you mean like last time when we got beat? Yeah, like last time when you got beat. But our best fighting men, our best fighting men, while we run away from the enemy, are going to capture the city. That's God's plan. Many times when you and I, and, and this is a trick, right? We think because we haven't done it before, it can't be done. But we haven't asked God to help us with it at all. We think it can't be changed. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm born this way, or, or there's no way I can achieve this, or there's, 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 you know, my whole life pattern can't possibly be changed. But I challenge you to wonder with me, have we asked for God's help? Have we asked for his help? Because you know the promise of God in the Scripture is this. I will not leave you or forsake you. You cannot be left behind. You are mine and I am yours. He chose us before we chose him. We are on God's side. We are God's children. And we don't see it that way and we don't ask for his help. My favorite promises in the Scripture is that he has made a claim over us. And that the good work he began in us will be brought to completion, perfect completion. So when you face those things in your life, you're like, man, I've tried this 500 times before. Have you asked it for God's help? More than that, do you put your best fighting men on it? 
See what happened there? The big, strong army, the, 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 the side that Joshua had control of, they just ran away. That's in Scripture too, by the way. Flee from impurity. Flee from it. They just ran away from this, this mountain that they had been trying to take, the city they had been trying to take, and their best men go in and just clean it up. Do you see what happens? You remember Lance talked about last week, about it was being consecrated to the Lord. It was being wholly given over to him. Later on, we're going to hear the story of the consecration of I in the same way. But you see, he sent his best men to fight. And the question that I have is, you know, how seriously do we take our sin? I put on here, we need to revisit our past. And I talk to some of you and you go, man, the past is the past. Just forget about it. I got news for you. God is a redeemer of all things. God is not content to, to, to save you to love you, and to pretend like there's nothing else to be done. He's interested in your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, everything that you have. That means fully redeemed in him. That means that God's going to invite you back in your life. He's going to say, I know you thought you were done with this, but we're not done with this yet. We're going to talk about that today at the end of the message. I know you thought you were done, but you're not done yet with this. Our God is a God who redeems all things for all time. Holy, redeemed in Christ. So here, in this analogy of us being like Joshua, as we flee from the city that we've been beaten by many times, the invitation is that God would rush in and take the city. That while it's been vacated, he would take the city. And you can see that's exactly what's about to happen to I. But do you and I even ask our best fighters in? The Holy Spirit of God. Right now, whether you know Christ or you don't, the Holy Spirit of God is fighting for you. Right now, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father praying for you, pleading for your soul. Whether you believe in him already or you're, or, you, or you're not believing in him yet, he's pleading, Father, this one is mine. I only know that story because I remember. I remember feeling far from God. I remember that, that kind of push, that pull, drag, towards some kind of reconciliation to God, and yet I was like, Lord, I'm a sinner. But he was working on me. He's working on you too. Joshua completely follows God's plan. And then check this out. I'm going to read through here. So Joshua actually does it. I'm going to roll through here. So in verse 9, Then Joshua sent the men off, and they went to the place of ambush, and they laid in wait between Bethel and Ai. Interesting. That's a very dangerous place to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent the night with the people, so he stayed behind. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his men, and he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. So now they got the whole troops rolling down. The entire force was with him, marched up and approached the city, and arrived in front of it. They set a camp north of Ai. I told you that. And with the valley between them and the city. Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. And there they had soldiers up in their positions, all those in the camp to the north of the city and the ambush to the west. Listen to this verse. I love this verse. That night, that night, Joshua walked into the valley. For many of us, for God to ask us to go back to our past. You know what I'm saying? You've come to church, you've heard the gospel, you believe the gospel for yourself, but you, you just, you're, just, you're just kind of squinting your eyes. And you're, you're, we, we went to the uh, Relevant Pregnancy Options Banquet the other night here in town. To hear someone get up and tell their story fully, 
of not just their sin, but their redemption, I was powerful. It was powerful. They had this, they, they talked about this material. I don't know what this material is, but just the title of the material, I'm like, I want to read that. It's called Surrendering Your Secrets. You know, you get into a church, you go forward, you accept Christ, you're baptized, and then you have this weird pressure to feel like you're okay. We started this men's Bible study group on Tuesdays. I know the men are meeting on Mondays. And all we're trying to do is be real with each other, to quit faking it, talk about our real problems. And you know what? You do that, and God blesses you. And here Joshua says he walked into the valley at night. Right? He's got God's plan. He's over here. His enemy's over there. He knows he's going to run away. You know, Monty Python fans, if you're here, run away, you know. This is his, his plan for victory. But that night, Joshua walks alone into the valley. Boy, that must have been risky business. He dared to believe that God was going to deliver him, that God was going to hand over his enemies. And he walked into the valley that night. That's powerful. That's powerful. And if you don't believe me, we'll read on. I want to ask this question, though, of you today. What past failures are you afraid to confront in your life? You know there's power in that. I've talked to parents who are heartbroken over their children, not because of the way their children are acting, but because of the things they could never say to their kids. How do I say that to them? I've, I've screwed up. I shouldn't have been so hard on them when they were little, or I should have been more hard on them when they were little. How do I tell them that I love them? How do I just go up and hug my kids? And God says, walk into the valley with me. Dare to believe that your courage and your faith in me will bring a change. What areas in your life are you afraid to confront? I invite you to do what I'm trying to do, which is to walk right up to those enemies with Christ and proclaim victory. God's going to fully redeem his people. He's going to do it. Maybe you'll be brave like Joshua, walking into the valley. Well, check it out. If you don't think that Joshua going to the valley, by the way, I said that'll make a difference. You go to your kids and you just say, I made a mistake. I love you, and I've not done it perfectly, but I love you. And that, the, the, anyone, I, anyone responds to that, right? You confess, they confess. You admit, they admit. And if they don't, you're doing the right thing anyway. Well, if you don't believe that walking in that valley has an effect, look at what happens in the Bible in verse 14. It says, then Joshua went into the valley at night, right? When the king of Ai saw this, when they saw this, he and all the men of the city hurried out early in the morning to meet Israel in battle at a certain place overlooking the Arabah. But he did not know that an ambush had been set against him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel let themselves be driven back before them, and they fled to the desert. All the men of Ai were called to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua, and then were lured away from the city. Not a man remained in Ai or Bethel who did not chase after Israel. They left the city open, and they went in pursuit of Israel. Here, I want you to see what happens. When Joshua comes into the valley in the seeming moment of weakness, he's back for another beating. Boy, the king, they, they can just, the king of Ai can taste it. 
Here's the king of Israel. To heck with the 36 people we killed last time. Here's the king, and he's in the valley, and he's vulnerable. I got news for you, and this is glorious good news if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is huge, huge. The enemies of God are overconfident. The enemies of God are overconfident. And when they come against you, they do not see who is on your side. They're blinded. They're so driven by their desire to destroy you. And when Joshua goes into that valley, it's just like blood in the water, man. The king of eyes is like, let's get up, let's go, guys. I'm going with you. And everyone's going to go, and we're going to finish these Israelites, and we're going to be the best thing in this land. And I don't know if you know this story, but it sounds like our culture right now. Destroy them. Destroy the Christians. They're weak. Look at them. They're foolish. Take them out. And they leave the city. Everyone leaves the city. It's a profound truth. Listen to what it says. The king and his men hurried out. Like they couldn't wait to get the gates down, overconfident in their ability. All the men of Ai pursued them. Not any man remained in Ai or Bethel. Like they were like, everyone, let's go and finish these Israelites off. The victory is ours. The victory is ours. I got news for you. I want you to remember God's plan here. God's plan for Joshua was run away. Run away. And so when he got close to that thing he'd been struggling with, I, you and I get close to that sin we've been struggling with, and it comes at us, we can flee. We can flee and pray that God would take the city. Take the home base where that comes from. Well, that's what Joshua does. He runs away, and that just elicits the enemy to chase him, pursue him, and they're after him, man. They're running. They're, they're humping it. They're like, we're going to take him out. He's a goner, him and all his people, and this so-called God of Israel. They're done for. But in this moment, in God's perfect timing, in God's perfect timing, he takes the city I told you before that God desires to redeem everything, everything. And I want to talk to you for a minute if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, I'm a believer in Jesus. And if you, you, you believe he's forgiven all your sins, I believe he's forgiven all my sins. You will have moments in your life, listen to me, where the darkness just spills out. You know what I mean? I told you I used to come home, kick the dog, yell at the wife, slap the kids. You know, I didn't really slap my kids, but you know what I'm saying. I'm spank my kids, you know. But everyone's in trouble. You know, when that stuff comes out, that's a gift of God. It's the same thing as that enemy being poured out. I've seen this repeatedly in my work as a pastor. If you push people and talk to people and be real with people and keep hammering, 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 sooner or later the truth spills out. And when people spill the truth out, they go, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, you vomited. You're like, oh my gosh, you got trying to put it all back in. Sorry, pastor. You probably didn't want to hear that, did you? Yes. Yes. Because until we can be honest before the Holy God, we can't be fully redeemed. Until you can be honest in your prayer life before the Holy God, you can't be fully redeemed. Until you stand on the base of the mountain, you go, Lord, I can't take this mountain on myself. Give me a plan. He says, run away until I tell you to fight. You run away. Invite him in. I've seen repeatedly how this darkness gets spilled from us. Overconfident. 
overconfident. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are claimed by him. And the enemy comes, he's like, I will own you. I will own you. And that moment it comes out and it's in the light. And you know what? Darkness can't survive there. It's like purification. It's like sanctification when you let it out. The enemy of God, enemy of God is overconfident in their ability to win you if you've claimed Christ as Savior. I just hope that encourages you because when you see that, it's like a warning sign in your life. Don't stop it. Don't swallow it. Don't fight it back. Let it out. Tell the truth. Go to God. And trust brothers and sisters. Boy, that's a big one, right? Be real with each other. So my question for you is, right now, and you, you know, if you're like where I am, you know that struggle has come to mind already this morning. Is God calling you to run away or turn and fight? Like, is he asking you just to run away? Or is he like, all right, now, now, turn and fight with me. I'm going to finish up here. I want you to read, read with me what happens after they flee from the city. It says in verse 18, Then the Lord said to Joshua, here it is. Here's this moment, right? They were fleeing. They were running away until not one man remained. And it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Yahweh, Now, hold out toward Ai. The javelin is in your hand. For into your hands I will deliver the city. See, there becomes a very clear moment in Joshua's life where Joshua's just obeying. He's just running away. But God's still talking to him. And this moment comes where he's like, And now, turn and aim your javelin back toward the city because I'm going to give it to you. Look at all the things that happen when Joshua obeys God in his command and turns and holds his javelin out to the city. So Joshua held out his javelin toward Ai. As soon as he did this, the men in the ambush from the west rose quickly and entered the city, and they captured it, and they set it on fire quickly. Check out what happens with the fire. I told you, purification before the Lord. Remember this story, right? Pillar of fire by night and smoke by day. The men of Ai looked back. The men of Ai, the enemies of God, looked back and saw the smoke in the city rising against the sky. But they had no chance to escape in any direction because the Israelites who they had been fleeing to this, who had been fleeing to this point, had turned against them as their pursuers. This moment when the enemy realized they had overreached, overstepped. They looked back, they saw the smoke, and they're like, something's wrong in the city, we got to get back. They turned back, and they're being fought by Joshua and his men. You see, the truth is that you and I are invited to join God in the battle. And many of us sit back and we say, Lord, just solve our problems for us. you got to be listening, because when God says turn and fight, you turn and fight. You give it everything you have. We're going to hear the story of how Joshua gave everything he had in this war against Ai. It wasn't a passive win for him. It wasn't that God just handed it to him. He, him and the Israelites fought, fought to take the city. The men of Ai looked back, and they saw that the place they couldn't escape and that was in the desert, they turned against their pursuers. Here it is, 21, read with me. For when Joshua and all the Israelites saw the ambush had taken the city, listen to this, and it was going up from the city, they turned around and they attacked the men of Ai. So the same thing that terrified the enemy of God emboldened the men of God to fight. God had taken the city. The men of the ambush came straight through the city against them. Listen to this. So that they were caught on the road with the Israelites on both sides. Israel cut them down, leaving neither survivors nor fugitives, but they took the king of Ai and they brought him to Joshua. This king that was so confident in his ability was delivered into the hands of the king of Israel. When Israel had finished killing all of the men of Ai and the fields and the deserts where they chased them, when everyone had been put to the sword, all Israelites turned to Ai and killed those who were in it. 12,000 men and women fell that day, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not, listen to the word in 26, Joshua did not 
draw back his hand that held out the javelin until all were destroyed. That's profound. He, he continued the fight. He pressed the battle. He believed in the victory, and it would not be over until all of it was eradicated. You and I maybe have had small victories in our life against things that oppress us, things that push us back or beat us back, but do we stand in the faith of Jesus Christ, and do we say, I will not leave this hill until it is taken. I am not going anywhere until this battle is over. I am done with this. This is the Lord's land. That's what Joshua does. He does not waver. He does not quit. He holds out the standard until everyone has been defeated. Now, I want to say one thing, because I said this before to you guys about the taking of, of Jericho. We can look at that and we go, that's so cool. Men and women, what kind of you know, Neanderthals is this? We fundamentally do not understand the offense of living this life against the God who gave it to us. The people of Ai had an opportunity to believe. They had an opportunity to submit. We've seen that with Rahab. We've seen it with others in the Bible. They believe and they are included in God's kingdom. But this destruction is meant for people who would stand and shake their fist and point their finger at the God who made them as if we are judge, we are jury, we are Lord. And in this moment, his righteous retribution is delivered on these people. It's a hard truth, but one that each one of us faces. And don't be deceived. Don't be deceived and think you've got it figured out because you live in the 20, 20th century, 21st century, right? You've got all these answers now. You don't need God anymore. The holy God that made us, what a great witness earlier with Ava, the holy God that knit us together desires a relationship with us. So 12,000 men and women died and I, because Joshua did not stop until the victory was won. Joshua did not stop until the victory was won. Check out 27. Israel did then carry off for themselves livestock and plunder the city as the Lord had directed Joshua. This is a really striking truth because last week we talked about Achan's sin, right? And the reality that he had stolen from God. And you know, that's how short-sighted we can be. The first city, Achan's like, oh, that looks good, I'll take it. This city, God gives it to the people. You know, he has provision for us. And we have this tendency to want to steal what's his. He has provision for us. It says it was so much plunder that they, they had to divide it all up amongst themselves. It was so much to take. It was so much they were left with. God had made provision for his people, and he makes provision for you and me. My question to you then in your life, and this is a question in every sense of the word, will you hold out in faith until the very end? I mean, will you stand, and whether it's a battle in your own life, I talked before about the, maybe the whole city needs to fall, and you need to stand there and just believe in God to take the city and rescue you from, the, you know, deliver you from this place that God has claimed. Or maybe it's this area of your life that you're holding on to. Are you going to stand until the very end of the fight and say, I'm believing you, Jesus. You're going to take me from this. You're going to deliver this into my hand. I will listen to you. I'm talking to you. What would you do? We hear the stories often about people who give up right when they were about to be delivered. What a tragedy that is. Verse 29, I want to tell you the end of the story of the king of Ai. Joshua burned Ai and made it a permanent heap of ruins, a desolate place. Here's in 29. He hung the king of Ai on a tree and left him there until the evening. That's kind of a show. And at sunset, Joshua ordered him to be taken down from the tree and tossed him at the entrance of the city gate that he thought was so valuable. 
and they raised a large pile of rocks, which is there to this day. This idea that if you demand your dominion, if you demand to have your way, you will get it. And the king of I, instead of having an eternal presence with God, this great story could have been different. He lays the gate of the city where he gave so many orders so powerfully. I am the king of I. This is what I say. I will go and defeat those men. This is what I say. And the end of his life, he's dropped at the gate of a city that will exist no more. No more. I don't know where you are in your life today. And I hope that God brought to mind some struggles that you've been trying to do without him, some battles, whether it's your marriage, your kids, or school, your parents, whatever it is in your life that you're really struggling with. I don't care if you're like six years old or 76 years old, 86 years old. I don't care where you're at. I hope that you're asking God to guide you, lead you to the victory in your life. And you might hear the story and go, that's trickery. Joshua ran away and he turned around and he fought back. That's not fair. You know there's another story that's like that in the Bible. You know in two weeks we're going to celebrate Easter. And next week we're going to have Good Friday. And Good Friday is this moment where the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the miracle worker who walked on water, the one who said, I am the Father in one, opened his hands and died on a cross. And the whole world said, look at him run. Look at the coward on the cross. If you're so great, call down angels from heaven. And Jesus did not mumble a word. Did you remember that in Joshua? He did not mumble a word. And he opened his hands for the forgiveness of sins for the whole world. And he ran away. The word says that he descended into the earthly regions to proclaim the gospel to the captives. But Easter is coming. And three days later, and this is the gospel, that standard that had been this white flag that looked like surrender, I give up, into your hands I commit my spirit, and all the enemies of God sin. He's defeated. We're rid of him. He will never live again. Three days later, that same white flag that had waved on the cross at Calvary waved as a sign of purity of God's love for us. Resurrected in the tomb, they find a white cloth, fold it up. There's no defeat in death. Christ overcame the grave. The gospel for you and me is that we have the gift of life. We can believe in Jesus for our sins. We can believe in him for the mountains we can't take. And we can believe in him to the very end, deliverance. I hope you know that today. I hope you know that we follow a Savior that can save you. Completely. Please pray with me if you would. Father God, today we've come to hear the story of your people and how we ought to follow you like Joshua. I pray, Father God, in your sovereign grace that we'd be drawn near to that truth today. I pray, Father, for those who are here and they go, man, I, you know, I kind of get the Jesus thing. I don't know. I don't talk to God a lot. That you would invite them into relationship, that you would speak into their hearts right now. I want, Father God, for my own children, them to know you intimately as you've revealed yourself to me. It's the heart cry of all parents through all time. May we know you more fully. 
Father God, in that day when we meet Jesus as our judge, as the righteous judge, our desire is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I know this one. They've been with me. Father, for those who don't know you today, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make it readily accessible. They would know that they could just receive the gift of salvation. Not a show, not family Bible church, not, not even this weird Protestant thing, Father, but your gospel proclaimed rightly in this world. That sinners are being saved. That people are being redeemed and set free to live in your kingdom. And Father, for all those who are walking with us and who hide those dark places, I pray that we'd have the courage of Joshua to open up, invite you in, send in our best fighting men to defeat our enemy, that we would be fully yours. And you are so good. We give you praise and glory for the work that you've done here today. We thank you for your spirit's presence with us today. We pray that we would uh, walk around in knowledge of your presence every day that comes. We pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.